This time on The Real Generation Gap. Are they with you or are they going to kill you and eat you? A a teenage boy took a picture of a girl in a bikini. You think that's perverted? He could also just go up and talk to her. Hi, welcome to The Real Generation Gap. I'm BJ Kang. I'm Fred Satilli. And this is Leave the World Behind, a Karen, a racist, and the apocalypse. Fred, do you want to go more into that, maybe? <laughs> yeah, what, what, what would be worse, right? What would be worse? You rent the house to go on vacation. You go out there. When the first evening comes, the owners of the house show up. You are a white family, and they are a black family, a black gentleman, mm-hmm. and he was a gentleman, and his racist daughter. And this is when you find out that your wife has very little racial tolerance as well because she's equally confrontational. You got a Karen, you got a racial situation, and as the movie develops, you realize there's a Holocaust taking place and these are your people. Your wife, your two children, Mm -hmm. this gentleman and his daughter, this is what you have. Mm and you're way out in the country, and you can't get anywhere, and there's no communication. It's a pretty bad deal, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would not like to be stuck with uh, someone uh, who kind of looks at me differently, kind of treats me differently at the end of the world. Oh, I was thinking of the husband and wife. When the when the black family returns, because yeah. they can't get into the city. Yeah. They, they, they Look, this is our house, and I realize that you rented the house. The husband's completely okay with it. He's like, oh, well, hey, come on in. And she's like, don't let them in. We don't know who they are. It's like, it's an elderly guy and his young niece or, you know, let them in. She's like, oh, we we rented this place. I need to to look up the terms of the agreement and everything. You know, somebody like that is miserable. That's miserable. Not, not, it's one thing that she's miserable to the, to the family that came, the black family, but she's miserable for her own husband. That's really the core of Amanda's character. That's her name, the the wife Amanda. She hates people. At the beginning of the film, she's looking out the window and she she's going on about how she's watching all these people get ready for work. And then when she thinks about it more and she says, when I realize what people are really like, she goes, I hate, I freaking hate people. Although she doesn't use the word freaking. And that's what her character is, is that she's built yeah. up these walls, these barriers to sort of keep her from connecting with other people. and. And in, I think in you're spot on to say that in one outlet that comes out as slightly thinly veiled racism to sort of protect herself from connecting from a certain group of people. From anybody. Yeah. I mean, she didn't like anybody. It's people in general. She In her own neighborhood, I don't, I don't like these people. And that was great that it opened that way. Mm-hmm. She made that statement because it really set the tone for her character. Yeah. Now, her character was played by Julia Roberts. Yeah. And Julia Roberts is obviously a stunningly beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but... In this movie, she wasn't. She was just a regular housefrau. I, I like that, that that they didn't. This movie wasn't like, hey, a Julia Roberts movie. Not at all. Just happened that she was the actress that had this part, and that was the way with all, this movie had stars: Ethan Hawke and mm-hmm. my favorite guy, Kevin Bacon. Right? Mm-hmm. They played not star characters. They weren't a sex symbol, a love interest. They weren't, you know. And then their children were no help at all. Their teenage son was a typical teenage son. He was just selfish and careless and, you know, kind of just narrow-minded and thoughtless. And the little daughter, all she wanted to do was connect with her iPad. Yeah. You know, and she, they're, they're out in the country, and she's in the car and looking at a little tiny screen like this. Yeah. It's a pretty sad family. I think, and I think that was like a major theme of what the movie was about, was that like, 
once you get away from the society that we've sort of built, one sort of where we're very coddled by technology, you begin to reconnect, you begin to touch roots with what's important again. I think there's a big reason why when they go on vacation, they go away from the city and they go towards a secluded house more out in the woods and stuff like that. And then they begin to connect with each other. I mean, especially when you're talking about the the daughter, Rose, who is sort of... uh, kind of addicted to her iPad. Uh, She says it's really like watching friends is like the only thing that really makes her happy. And then you have the son. There's there's one scene where he is kind of he is a perv. He's a bit of a perv in this movie. He took a picture. You don't think he's a perv? He took a picture of a a teenage boy took a picture of a girl in a bikini. You think that's perverted? That's that's as natural as drinking water. There's nothing perverted about that. Well, maybe when he has that one scene where he begins to sort of start um, pleasuring himself to that picture, he could also just go up and talk to her instead of, you know, getting off to just a picture on a screen. She was not accessible to him. I think for one thing, she was a lot older. But when you're a teenage boy, you're intimidated by a beautiful older girl. And she was not a happy, friendly person either. She was just like Julia Roberts. She was a miserable brat, too. Mm -hmm. And she really portrayed that. The actress did a great job. Yeah. And she was suspicious of everybody and hated everybody. But she was also deeply consumed by her own fear. She thought her mother was dead in the Holocaust. And obviously, there was a problem between the father and mother that wasn't really expanded on. Yeah. And, and as, as a child of that, you see that. Mm-hmm. So you have some insecurity. Mm-hmm. So she was insecure. She was a racist. She was culturally not willing to accept what was going on. Yeah. But boy, did that change, didn't it? It all changed when they all had to slow down and hunker together. It's like they no longer had technology to distract themselves with to sort of isolate themselves from each other. They no longer had, they couldn't go on the freeway because all the self-driving cars uh, congested them they can no longer use airplanes uh they can no longer go on ships even because the navigation on the ships was ruined they had to stay put and they didn't have technology to separate each other with and they all had to hunker down together and slow down and really get to know each other and once they really started doing that they got past certain things like racism a bit i mean they started connecting a bit more i think you missed the big picture on that yeah they connected because they had a common enemy. Mm-hmm. They were all afraid of the unknown, fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. Terrible things are happening all around us that are unexplained. Mm-hmm. We have a swimming pool full of birds. We have a hundred deer surround us out in the woods for no particular reason. It was fear of the unknown. And they realized that the closest thing they had to normalcy, the closest thing that they had to something dependable was each other yeah and they were slammed together Mm -hmm. and then they were sorry that they had been distant yeah you know and Mm -hmm. it's my experience in life any two people as soon as they get right up on each other well they find out that they're really good with they like each other they're everything is really going to be really great Mm -hmm. you know and it's almost always the case you meet a new person a little bit suspicious a little bit unknown whatever it is but as soon as you start to connect especially if you have a common interest Mm -hmm. and so these people really had to do this and one of the people they had to do it well it was interesting to me that that the julia roberts and the black men Mm -hmm. they became quite enamored with each other Mm -hmm. they spent a little time listening to music together and they they began to hug each other the same thing the young girl she she could see that that uh, ethan hawk had lust for her. 
he was starting to look at her like, you know, you're pretty darn cute. And she said, yeah, this guy, you know, he wouldn't mind being on a deserted island with me. You know what I mean? Like he, and uh, he wasn't threatening in any way, but she could see that she was attractive to him. You don't think that was just her like being like discriminatory? It wasn't that uh, Ethan Hawke's character Clay, it wasn't that Clay was really like that. It was just that she was looking for an excuse to sort of distrust them. I mean, it's the same thing with Julie Roberts' character, I feel like, where racism is just uh, is just a sort of wall for her. I don't think she's like really like uh, at her core racist. I feel like racism is just one sort of excuse that she uses to have uh, to, to hate not, everybody. Yeah, to, exactly to, to not connect her. with others. And for the daughter, uh, was it Ruth? Was the same way where she was purposely writing off the family as, oh, these are just white people who are racist and they don't know anything better. And the the father looks at me this way. You don't think that was just like her writing them off so that she also could just put walls up and not have to connect with them, be a tribe with them? You know, you could be right about that. Yeah, you could be right. The, all those that's this movie was really interesting. Mm-hmm. This. this this movie promoted this kind of talk that we're yeah. having. You know, you can see things a couple different ways as they were having, as they were happening. You know, I like the, I like the weaponization. As soon as they arrive in this vacation home, mm-hmm. a great big tanker runs up on the beach and it's completely unexplained. But as time goes by, you realize that computers did that. The navigation system made that happen the navigation system was tampered with then there were planes that were crashing falling out of the sky all of a sudden these weapons the animals were acting very strangely Mm -hmm. a teenage boy got a bug bite he was infected with some horrible thing that nobody knew what it was he was literally pulling his teeth out of his mouth do you think that bug bite was a weapon it could have been, but I definitely don't think it was a... It, everything was a weapon. Everything was a weapon. And I mean, they got... You know, we just just started to invent these self-driving cars. Yeah. Well, a Tesla dealership, all the cars came alive. They all ran out in the highway and smashed into each other, making a giant barrier so nobody could use the highway to get away. I, I definitely like that about the movie was that every everything that you were seeing in this movie, every danger was very sort of illustrated directly to our time now things like cyber attacks i think one point one part during the movie they say like uh in cuba they use like high frequency beams to shoot radiation at us it's like 10 years ago like you wouldn't worry about cyber attacks or ai cars running us over and then like even further past that you wouldn't be worried about uh satellites shooting like radiation at us but now that's something that becomes more of a fear every day. And that was something that was really interesting about this apocalypse is that it's very current. It's very designed to very us much now. so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a movie that ten years from now they'll be laughing about it. <laughs> or we'll all be dead. You know. <laughs> if it's if it's prophetic, yeah. right? It'll it would be terrible. Mm-hmm. Going back to uh sort of questions about the movie, what what did you think about like what was happening? Like what what sort of a pot like what do you think what was going on like well i to be to be perfectly honest i i accepted this as like a horror movie you know there you know you expected a guy with an axe to come out all of a sudden and yeah. chop somebody and they they even had the scary neighbor right like they yeah. they looked in the woods and they saw something moving and then when the teenage boy was infected by the insect mm-hmm. which is a great delivery system for a biological weapon they went to find the survivalist in the neighborhood who was portrayed by kevin bacon and he he did a spectacular job he yeah. was as natural Danny, and real yeah. i actually believed you know i love it when i don't even recognize the actor and i just think he really is that guy those preppers mm-hmm. are really like that 
Yeah. And they have food and water and ammunition and medical supplies. And they have the answers. They got communication devices because even the sat phone was down. The guy who lived in the house, the black guy, he knew the neighbors and he knew they had a doom room. Yeah. And he knew that they had a sat phone. And he went there and got on that thing and it was dead. Mm-hmm. When satellite communication is dead, that's not a cell phone. That's the thing that's never supposed to be dead, right? Yeah. So he knew warnings that his Wall Street buddies gave him that something was going down. He knew that was really true. Yeah. And that's when his hopelessness increased. That's when he realized mm-hmm. this isn't, this isn't going to go away tomorrow when we wake up. We got something that's going to last. So they go to Kevin Bacon to get the cure, and he meets him at the door with a 12-gauge. And he says, this is my place. These are my supplies. You people with your lifestyle, you should have been doing what I'm doing. You thought I was a nut. You laughed at me. You call me a conspiracy theory. I'm not sharing any of this with you. This is for the preservation of me and my family. And you are now persona non grata here. So you're, you know, and of course, Ethan Hawke did a phenomenal job of jumping between the two armed men. Yeah. Because now the black man had the hand gun out, right? Mm -hmm. So... He jumped in between him and he's like, look, you guys, my son is sick. That's I, I don't don't shoot each other. Don't shoot me. The goal here is to save this kid. He's got a real serious problem. Like, put all your stuff aside. This is this is real. This is he goes, I, I don't if I, I have to die trying to get you to do this. And my son is, you know, hurt. And I, I have to, I, I got to call on your humanity. I got to, anything I can possibly do, I'll give you money, which of course was ridiculous because that becomes yeah. instantly meaningless, right? It's interesting how the field levels immediately. The rich and the poor, when they're both starving, they're going to be side by side turning over those trucks out on the 10 here or when the five or whatever, when it, when it goes wrong, right? The yeah. great equalizer, the great, there, all of a sudden, there's no more money. And now you look at your next door neighbor and you see the reality of what that man or woman is. Yeah. Are they with you or are they going to kill you and eat you? That's that's what I really liked about like this film is like the message that it portrays of like when, when civilized society begins to break down, how quickly we revert back to like old modes of like society, like tribalism, for example. I love that the uh, this is a great directorial decision to sort of juxtapose uh, have a juxtaposition between Ruth and um, Amanda, Ruth and Amanda sort of using, like trying to scare off these deer. And then you have Clay and George trying to fight with resources with essentially what is another tribe, which is Danny and his family. Right. They're trying to fight over resources for their tribe. And then you've got Amanda and Ruth using what is basically a pretty ancient technique to ward off animals, which is basically act big, flail your arms, make a lot of noise. It's like, they're acting like like cavemen now. Right. That's what you're reduced to. Yeah. The, the reality of what you are, what you really are. So all this wealth and everything, all this technology we have, it's all an illusion, isn't it? Yeah. No, it isn't. It's real. We have it. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, if you're starving and there's no food, it's like choking. Yeah. Right? If, 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 you're, if your air is cut off or your blood is cut off, that's all you care about. If you get to the point where you're starving or you need water, that's all you care about. There are basic things that humans need, and all the rest of this stuff is way back on the list. Mm -hmm. It had all this human nature stuff, which was great. It had all this apocalyptic stuff, which for literally for watching the news tonight all applies to it. What a great movie. 
I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I like that um like that there was a lot of stuff going on like outside of the movie too or going into the movie that helped to give it that sort of horror suspense. Um, it's leading up to something. For example, it's like I like the dark sort of orchestral vibe that went on during the most oh, tense yeah. sequences. I love the uh, the camera angles about how it made everything super tense. I love that one shot where um, I think. Uh, Amanda is sort of looking out the window or she's looking at something and it sort of pans in real close to her face because it's sort of like something's moving in on her. Something's moving in on you when everything's like going to hell. It feels like like the danger is closing in around on you. Right. And there was just so many aspects uh, going on outside of the movie, including the music and camera that made it feel tense. That made it feel like something's about to break. And when something breaks, what are our characters going to do? What are the humans going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to eat who? Yeah. You know, and, and I it laughed because it made me laugh when I said there was, there was so much Hitchcock style photography. Yeah. And then your response was, wait a minute. I thought there was a lot of Kubrick style yeah. photography. So I think that the, uh, the photographer with all those, helicopter yeah. I call them drone shots yeah. there's a lot of aerial mm-hmm. and a lot of shots completely 90 degrees out yeah you know I, I really liked it that cameramen had fun making this yeah they used techniques there it wasn't just like like boys in the boat where everything was just a dead yeah. flat bang 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 you know this was like the scenes were twisted the story was twisted and so was the photography you know and I, I really liked that Another thing, um, one of our cameramen, Rudy, uh, he said he loved the encounter with the Hispanic woman. Yeah. She was going insane in Spanish. He couldn't understand Spanish, and they didn't subtitle it. So the drama of her was so realistic. Yeah. Because I didn't understand what she was saying. People who would speak Spanish would, you know, I'm assuming that she was saying important stuff, but I will never know. Mm -hmm. To me, it was just high-speed Spanish gibberish. Yeah. And finally, he just, he had to get away from there. And when he pulled away, which he felt bad about, he saw a giant cloud in the distance coming towards him. And it was some kind of red vapor. Yeah. And he's trying to outrun it with the car, but this thing is moving faster than him. It's an airplane. He's in a car. It turned out to be these leaflets that were in some kind of Arabic language, death to America. And so he, that's when he imagined that we're being attacked from the Middle East. Now, when they went and confronted Kevin Bacon, he's a survivalist, right? He's got communication equipment of some kind. He had an indication from somebody that North Korea was behind this. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting that, like, all your fears, you know, like, who is the enemy? What's going on? It, it really played off of, like, our current fears. It's like, right. was it, is it Russians? Is it uh, middle... Horror movie mid- on a lot of levels, right? Yeah, is it, is it Middle Eastern terrorists? Is it, is it the North Koreans? Is it the Chinese? It, yeah. it played off of like very current right. fears Weird today. nav system yeah. stuff, weird insect bites, yeah. weird animal attacks. Mm-hmm. The only thing I sort of, I wish from the film that we kind of, we kind of got Self-driving more. car attacks. They were right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish that there was sort of more of a commitment to the sort of the doomsday apocalyptic vibe that they had. I feel like in, uh, in like other, uh, they really wanted to give that sense that there was an enclosing danger around them. And right. yet it felt very much like each part of what the movie was focused on was self-contained. It was like the apocalypse happens here and then the drama happens here. I wanted to, I wanted it to be more intertw- intertwined, more intermingled, to see what could be drawn out from both more. 
Give me a scenario. Okay. Uh, I think a cool sort of uh, one apocalypse movie that I like was, was World War Z. There was a lot of like drama playing out at the same time while they're also trying to run to cover and stuff like that. In this one, a lot of the drama played out self-contained in the woods. And I, I get that they're trying to like portray um, a lot of like how humans break down uh, in the middle of a situation. But I feel like if you had that uh, more in like in the actual situation instead of like, oh, this happened and then they sort of um, they sort of develop it after it happens i would have liked to see more scenes of like give me a really good ex- I, I, this is a very generic thing uh-huh. you're saying right now yeah give me an example of something that should have happened okay i think something sort of like they're having uh they're breaking down they're ha- something's happening i don't know maybe like planes are falling down like sort of around them and then at the same time you can see like on their faces and and what they're arguing about is just sort of like they're confronting each other in that moment. And it's like they're breaking down, but at the same time the world is breaking down around them. I would have liked to have seen much more of a uh, of a mix of that to, to get a more, I, I guess, sort of a tense, critical vibe, I guess. Huh. I thought it was pretty tense, mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, because it yeah. was it, the horror movie aspect of it kept yeah. the tension on. Yeah. You know, you had you had so many unknowns, so many times, so many ways. And everybody had a separate unknown. Yeah. You know, when the little girl was missing and her mother had to look for her, mm-hmm. that was really compartmentalized also. Yeah. In other words, they didn't all go look for her. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, when Ethan Hawke was out driving the car, he was alone. He was on his own. There was an awful lot of alone on your own. Yeah. I think if I had a situation like that, I would keep everybody together. Yeah. There's no, you went and walked off into the woods. Are you crazy? Let's keep everybody together. Let's keep everybody where we can see them and we can defend them. What a movie. Yeah. What a movie. It, it opened up a lot of imagination for me. That's for sure. I really enjoyed it. I think everybody should see it. I think it's a solid apocalypse movie that also explores yeah. like what humans will do, regardless of what kind of apocalypse is going on. It had a little Lord of the Flies in it, didn't yeah, it? It did. It did. Yeah. So okay. Well, do you have any other thing you'd like to bring up about this movie? Uh, no, I think I'm about ready to rate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. I would not say to me. I would not say that it sticks out as like one of like the best apocalypse movies I've ever seen. Uh, I think a really, really good one that sticks out to me is more of like Contagion. But for me, I think it's a solid one. I think it explores some really great themes. Uh, I think it definitely could have went even harder in my opinion. So I'll give it a strong seven out of ten. Okay, and I I was thinking eight. Nice. So we're pretty close on this. We haven't had one of these yet that it's like 10 and 2, yeah. you know, but we will. Yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, I really enjoyed seeing this movie, and it was a great recommendation. Thank you for watching The Real Generation Gap. Make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. A Karen, a racist, and the apocalypse. What would you do? Make sure to leave a comment about what you would. Thank you for watching.